As restaurants get the go-ahead to reopen, clearing post-lockdown hurdles may not be easy or cheap. Welcome to Service Calls, a podcast brought to you by TechTown in partnership with Food Service Equipment Reports. I'm Rob LaFrenz, and in this episode, we're talking about what techs are running into as more kitchens reopen. And joining me is Food Service Equipment Reports Chief Content Officer, Allison Resendiz. We'll also hear about a pressure problem that had one kitchen in cold water. But first, on the phone, we welcome back the owner and president of Elmer Schultz Services and Cefesa President, Kirby Mallon. And Kirby, restaurants are reopening, and they're reopening fast. Uh, just how busy are service techs these days? That's an uh, interesting question. So it was like a light switch, Rob. Uh, it was really, really uh, interesting to see. And we were all waiting for it. We all predicted it was going to happen. Uh, and I think it had a lot to do with the uh, the Restaurant Restoration Act that was recently passed and, uh, and enacted where the, the restaurants in particular now have um, – an avenue for cash from the government, which allowed them to say, well, you know, we've had three fryers and two of them have been broken for, um, for, for five or six months. Let's get those uh, fryers fixed now. So we mm-hmm. have seen a tremendous increase in uh, call volume uh, in, in just the last two weeks. So the light switches on. What challenges are techs facing related to equipment when they walk into these kitchens that sat dormant for the past year? A commercial kitchen is like a commercial air jet. It is not meant to be idle. So when these commercial kitchens sat idle for uh, 14 months, 10 months, what we are running into is not really what we expected. Uh, the, the end users, the restaurant tours are seeing uh, a tremendous amount of unexpected expenses coming from the fact that they didn't um, gracefully shut down their equipment, I'm going to say. My advice to technicians when they're rolling into a kitchen that needs to be, quote, started up, uh, is to spend the time to make sure that you're going through every piece of equipment. Because what happens is you're, you're, you're the owner, right? The owner says, come make sure everything's working fine. And if you just roll through the kitchen, turn everything on, say, okay, chef, everything's good, walk out the door. Uh, two days later, two of the three pieces of equipment are not working properly. That's considered a recall. That's considered you didn't do your job. Now you got to go back and you didn't look at, you didn't spend the time to look at it right. So my advice to, to every, um, technician out there in the field uh, is to uh, spend the time to go through every piece of equipment, uh, look at uh, every pile of assembly, look at every uh, thermal pile, every gas valve, uh, cycle all the equipment, turn everything on as if the kitchen is uh, five o'clock on a Friday afternoon, Friday afternoon, right? Turn everything on, run everything, go, go turn on the air conditioning, make sure the hood systems are running and cycle all the equipment to make mm-hmm. sure that you're not going to have a failure because what we're finding is um, that the equipment may initially come, come up and, you know, come to temperature, but uh, it's not going to cycle. Or once, the, for instance, the steamer or a combi oven, uh, once, once you go through a cycle and it's got to now go into a clean cycle, it says, hold on, we haven't, we haven't done a clean cycle in 10 months and that, that solenoid valve hung up. 
and uh, and that's where you find the problem. So if you don't want to have a recall and you want to do the, do the job right the first time, which is what I always tell all my technicians is, look, I would, I'd rather you spend the time on the, on the job to do it right. And you should come out of that job with uh, four or five inefficiencies. In other words, the things that need to be fixed. So on every, every one of those situations, you ought to come out of that job uh, back to your service department with a list of, of, uh, of equipment that needs to be brought up to 100% of manufacturer specifications. Kirby, do you have any advice for the tech who now has to tell this restaurant owner that, hey, you've got a pretty big bill coming? Yes. And the answer to that question is, uh, look, you know, we were in a hundred year pandemic. So the chances of that ha- happen again are, are pretty rare, but Hey, this is probably a good time for us to talk about a plan maintenance contract, right? So, uh, okay, we got, we're going to get your equipment back up to hundred percent manufacturer specifications. Great. It's, it's going to cost you more money because by the way, uh, that, that blower motor, is all rusted and and the blower wheel doesn't come off so i got to cut it off i got to put a new blower motor on that's going to cost you a thousand dollars uh replacing all these filters so unfortunately it's going to cost a couple thousand dollars for you to get your equipment back to manufacturer specifications and once we do that's when the technician has the opportunity to say now it's time for us to get you on a plan maintenance program so this doesn't happen again Kirby, as Cefesa president, you have, you know, like you said, your ear to the ground. And you and I, in getting ready for this podcast, we talked a little bit about the chronic issue of bringing techs into the field. And so for all the techs listening right now, how can they help solve this problem? I would say that if you're a field service technician, uh, that you ought to be asking your friends, your friends that are handy, that, that can ha- hold a wrench, that change their own oil in the car, that have basic knowledge of uh, electricity, uh, to encourage them to get into this field. Uh, a lot of people don't, uh, don't um, understand uh, how lucrative this field can be. And, you know, if you're a master CFESA certified technician and you, uh, your wife gets a job in Florida, you can follow your wife to Florida and you can get a job in in two minutes in this field, if you're a master certified technician in anywhere in the country. We're trying to make the industry sexy. And when I say that, uh, if, you're, if you're a young, young person and you're at, coming out of high school, uh, you are told that you need to go to college uh, if you're going to make any money. That's, that's not true. That is not true at all. You, you become an apprentice or a trainee at a Cefesa service company we will pay you to train you, okay? We will hire you. We will pay you to train you. And within four years, you will, you will be a technician in the field making money for the company, and you will have a, a job that is not only rewarding, but is also uh, transferable. In other words, so the, the example I just gave, if you want to pick up and move to Florida, you can go, you can call any CFESA master, uh, uh, service company in Florida and chances are they're going to hire you right away. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a unique business and it's a un- unique field that, um, that if you're, if you're a master certified technician, you know this, and you ought to be convincing your friends that it's a field that they ought to come into. 
a lot of good stuff in there. And a big thank you to owner and president of Elmer Schultz Services and Cefesa president Kirby Mallon. Next up, it's our From the Field segment. And on the phone from Oxford, Connecticut, it's Gary's East Coast Service Service Manager, Chris Evans. And Chris, you guys got a series of calls from an assisted living center about a relatively new dishwasher. What was the problem? Yeah, so we we received a call from the soap company who had installed the new booster on the dish machine stating that it was overheating and, and blowing off the relief valve. And basically said we should order a thermostat high limit and relief valve, which we did. A technician went out, put it in, and everything seemed to be working okay. So uh, how did you go about fixing the unit on that first call? Uh, The technician basically went out there and installed the parts that the uh, soap company technician requested needed to be replaced. Uh, ran the machine and basically installed the new parts, ran it. Everything seemed to be working fine. Temperatures were correct and uh, no issues were found after that point. What were the parts that you guys replaced? We had to install a thermostat, a high limit, and then a pressure relief valve. So why did the operator call back in a couple of weeks? Uh, what went wrong? They called back basically because in a couple of weeks it was, it was tripping the high limit, which we had just installed. So that it wasn't maintaining temperature. Did you uh, replace any more parts for that uh, visit as well? Yes. We basically installed a, another high limit and thermostat because uh, the technician at the, he felt the high limit was weak. And we, we usually have a tendency to replace a thermostat and a high limit at the same time. All right. Let's fast forward now. Uh, we're going to come up to the fifth service call. And now you've gone out to the site. Uh, what did you find when you got there? What I found when I went there was everything electrically melted uh, inside of the booster. So all the contactors, the wiring, uh, the fuses, uh, everything along the lines of that. And it's like the second time that that had happened. So when we went, we put all the new contactors, fuse blocks, fuses, everything inside of it was replaced. So then we were starting to test it and found that the pressure was very erratic. It wouldn't maintain the correct pressure. So we decided we're gonna change the pressure regulator. And we also put two new gauges in because they seemed like they weren't registering well. So after we had done that, we're running the machine and and you could sit there and you could watch the gauges where the pressure and temperature would, would fluctuate by 100 PSI and over 100 degrees. Which isn't normal. It should should stay consistent. So, upon standing there talking with uh, the in-house maintenance guy and a couple other people, you know, they all say no. There's no problems with the water. Nothing like that. They ended up having the uh, plumbing contractor come in. So I, you know, we're all done uh, at that point. I'm like, you guys got to figure out what's going on. I went over to wash my hands. When I washed my hands, the water temperature would just be all cold. So I ran the sink and I looked at the pressure gauge. And when you ran the water, the water temperature would drop. So it was getting fed with whatever temp the water was, 50 degree water or whatever it might have been. So it was making the booster think it needed to run longer than it should. So it turns out 
I was talking to one of the, the guys that works in the kitchen and he comes over and says to me on the side, he says, oh, he goes, that's nothing new. He goes, it does that in the whole building. So I'm saying to myself, I said, well, you guys got a problem with your, your mixing valve in the basement. And the mixing valve, what it does is in the kitchen, they need a higher temperature than the rest of the building. The mixing valve cuts the hot water from the boiler temp down to something that is safe for people to use for hand washing, bathing, or whatever. Whereas the temp going to the dish room in the kitchen has to be a lot hotter. Um, and what that mixing valve was doing, it was just overpowering the hot with the cold water. So it would just dump cold water into the kitchen, not hot water. And so I can only imagine that was causing real issues for the booster heater. It was, yeah. So basically the, the internal temp in that heater was dropping so low so quickly and so often that it was basically heating and running forever, um, which was caused, which ended up causing the electrical problems it had inside of it. And it just snowballed from there. But it, it took a bit of convincing to get them to understand that, you know, they need to fix that because it's not a problem with the piece of equipment. And sometimes that's harder than fixing the piece of equipment. I can only imagine. Yeah, yeah. Um, so how did you convince them? Uh, it just took a while of showing them uh, and watching the gauges. And then finally, the plumbing contractor looks and says, yeah, yeah, he's right. It's it's not working right. Now, we've, we haven't been back since then because we were kind of just in there doing warranty work. I would assume they fixed it by now, but... <laughs> You never know. Any uh, surprising lessons you learned on the call uh, or any advice you, you'd have for your uh, fellow field techs uh, when they're on a similar call? You know, I would say to not to rule out um, environmental causes or, you know, something in the building that's causing the problem, not necessarily just the equipment. Sometimes you, you definitely have to look a lot further or look outside of that area or outside of the uh, kitchen itself or whatever you got to look at your your main incoming utilities water electric gas whatever it might be because uh, a lot of times or many times it's just not anything wrong with the equipment that's causing the problem but rather something in the building and you got to definitely look into that thanks a lot gary's east coast service service manager chris evans for yet another tale of an outside issue that led to malfunctioning equipment in a kitchen well, we are at that time again when we turn things over to you, the guys in the field. And this month's question was, COVID-19's created so many challenges for food service operators. What advice do you have for your fellow techs when it comes to dealing with a stressed out operator? First up, it's commercial kitchen parts and service field service supervisor, Eric Luna. I tell my peers that right now it is most important to give 100% customer service not just being a great tech, but also dealing with them and their problems. You don't need to add anything additional to what they already have. These next two came via email, so I asked a couple of colleagues of mine to give them a voice. Uh, this one comes from Smart Care Equipment Solutions Technical Support Supervisor Clint Wilson. Operators are stressed right now in many states where they aren't able to open to full seating capacity or normal hours. The two words I would use right now is patience and understanding. Listen to what's important to them right now, as operators need short-term options that might be outside the normal repair suggestions. For example, 
Don't try to convince the operators that they should have a full rebuild right now if a small repair can keep them operating for six months. It'll take time for them to have a normal cash flow, so helping them save money now will help to build a long relationship. Look for these opportunities to help the customer get through the current crunch. And now we hear from EMR Tech at the DCMV branch, Donald Thompson. The food service industry has always been a stress-filled environment. Us technicians are called after the operators have already experienced loss of productivity, production, and product as a result of equipment failure. The first thing we can and should do to avoid even more stress is to simply follow their COVID protocols, follow our employer's protocols, and then be the awesome and reliable technicians that we can be. Thanks to Ron Brown and Mike Hoffman, respectively, for doing the read on those last two entries. And as always, thank you for chiming in and for listening. We really do appreciate it. Next month, our question is, what's your favorite part about being a food service equipment technician? Easy, right? Well, we'd love to hear from you, and you can call in to leave a message. Our number is 312-788-7618. That's 312-788-7618. You can also email or record a voice memo on your phone and send it along to servicecalls at fermag.com. And that's it for this episode of Service Calls, brought to you by TechTown in partnership with Food Service Equipment Reports. We'll be back next month, so be sure to follow and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. I'm Rob with Friends. <laughs>